Welcome back to Truck Tech, everyone. You know, this week we're, we're excited because one of the guys who's been around this industry and has really gained a perspective in some of the areas that we often talk about here on the show um, in terms of electrification, at least, and other technologies is Carlton Rose. Carlton spent 43 years at UPS, uh, most recently as the president of uh, of maintenance and, and also engineering. And, you know, I, I just think the opportunity to bring him in today to talk about some of what he saw during that time, as especially as he transitions now or has transitioned into a new position as the chairman of the board at Reautomotive, um, it gives us a chance to both look back and see kind of how his thinking goes when it comes to some of these technologies and what it is about Re that was so appealing. So, Carlton, welcome to Truck Tech. Well, thank you, Alan. It's a pleasure to be here. Nice to see you again. It is good to see you. We run into each other at conferences. I think one time I actually ran you down at one, and then after that, I think you just said, "Well, I see him coming. I'm gonna, I'm gonna." But <laughs> 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 at least for a minute, anyway. But, uh, but, but, Carlton, listen. Uh, congratulations on. I guess it was a retirement. Forty three years is a long time. So um, yes, you know, I, I think you know, having that, and we all know, though. I think I'm realizing this myself is that when you retire, you can't stop. And obviously you didn't. I mean, you, you picked up uh, something that appealed to you a, a great deal in re-automotive. And, and, and I want to come to that in a little bit. But, you know, the thing that always interested me from the first time I ever talked to you was this perspective you had on the companies that will come to UPS and say, we want you to buy our stuff. Here's our thing. Uh, why don't you check it out? Maybe you could tell me how you did some of that evaluation work, um, you know, and and you know, what you were looking for in terms of, you know, getting across the goal line, I suppose. Um, okay. Yeah. Thank you. So that, that's a great question too. Uh, so what I did was always looked at the technology as they presented the technology. I looked at it based on just the technology. I made sure that they had an understanding on what we wanted and, you know, the duty cycle of what it would be. So they would have a clear understanding if their vehicle would work within our fleet. And then um, I actually took their word for it and I always told them, well, you have the talking part down. So now let's get to the doing part. Uh, so once we received the truck and then we would actually test the technology uh, to make sure that it was what they said it was, you know, because a lot of people think of, uh, really highly of their technology. But it's until you get it in actual use to see what it'll do. That is the determining factor. Uh, they had to have a good warranty program and a good service program. Uh, those were key as well. Um, just a good support system to be able to help us when we had problems. Because, Alan, with all technology, new technology, you're going to have problems. So it's those who are willing to face their problems, own up to their problems, stand behind them, and do something about it. Those are all keys to us. So, Carlin, you've covered some of your punch list for what you needed to see. At what point were you comfortable in, you know, placing an order for, for a product. And then, you know, did some of them come through? I can think of a couple that probably haven't, but you know, what, how did you, how did you regard that, that crossover point where you would actually place an order? Well, uh, so the, the place, the order part came from actually um, after we had certainty that it would work in our fleet and we were at a good comfort level with it and the manufacturer, uh, we could tell that they were going to stand behind what they did. And then we actually tested some before we purchased, you know, an enormous amount. Um, and then the other question you had was about the ones that we didn't buy, that we were planning on buying. 
So I certainly would like to address that because I get asked about it all the time. So before I say anything, it's important that I say, Alan, uh, that I'm no longer employed by UPS. Um, I used to be uh, the representative globally uh, for the fleet, and I did have this say so on what we did and what we didn't do. But now I'm telling you from a perspective of 43 years. So I just wanted to just wanted to you know say that that makes me feel better. Your, your uh, disclaimer is important, and I don't want anybody getting mad at you because you right. talked to me and talked about these things. Now that you've done right. it, let's talk about it. Because, let's talk about it because there's a couple that come to mind. Only one that I really used to. I literally chased you down a work truck show one year to ask you about, and that was mm-hmm. workhorse. Now, workhorse looks like they might be on the on the mend in a big way under under Rick mm-hmm. Dow. Uh, you know, brand new product on a product that you probably ever evaluated, but there was one that was in, in your line. And I think the order was like 900. It, it kept carrying mm-hmm. over and carried over. And it was like, you were extremely patient with them. I think maybe you can pick it up there. Yes. And, and first of all, uh, with Rick's leadership, it is a different company than it used to be. Um, I think that's important to say from the workhorse team. And then the second thing is, um, when we were going through that process with Workhorse, um, Workhorse had a vision of a vehicle that they could build. Um, the vision just never came to reality. And so that's why the orders kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed. Because it's important um, that, uh, you know, every company fights for CapEx. Every function within a company fights for CapEx. And when the company told me I had so much money, they were going to give me so much money to spend, if I went into agreement with you, then I needed you to come to the table timely, because if we don't spend it in this year, that's the year that it was earmarked for. The company could have used it in other areas. So it's a disservice to everyone. It's a disservice to my company. It's a disservice to my function and my word. Um, so um, workhorses truck just didn't it just didn't materialize in what we thought it was going to be. Now, it's also important that I say um, when when just because um I didn't use them. I'm not bad mouthing their technology. Technology um, is good, but it may not be right for UPS. And that's the way that I looked at it. Um, so, and then the next one I know you're going to ask me about is arrival. No, no, but I'm not done with that one yet because there was okay. something unique about the workhorse product. It was one of the coolest videos ever. And that was the, that was the drone launch off the top of the truck. Yes. And I think you even looked into that did, a little bit, didn't you? And yes, we did. Uh, we actually tested it. Yes, we we tested it as well. You got to have a vehicle. The vehicle has to perform first, and then that's the next step. So, well, what we do for efficiency, we try to test a lot of things at the same time because uh, we want the network uh, to be maximized as much as we can. Uh, so, as we were testing the truck, the t- truck was coming along. Then we tested uh, the drone. Um, there was a, an addition of you know. Um, so, uh, but the truck didn't come along. So the drone didn't come along and, well, that, and that's, that's the basis of it. Yeah, no, I, I understand, but it, but, you know, going back through this and I appreciate it so much, Carlton, because, you know, sometimes we, you know, spending all these years in journalism as I have, there's a tendency on the part of a journalist to write about something and then never write it about it again. And mm-hmm. you never find out as Paul Harvey used to say the rest of the story. So the I think it's great story. that we get a chance to spend a few minutes doing this and I appreciate your willingness to do it. Okay, so what was the next one you said? I, I'll mention it, Arrival. Arrival, Arrival. So, um, you know, I know a lot about Workhorse and a lot about Arrival. Um, but to honor 
um, and I'm going to talk about it, but to honor the NDAs that I'm under because I'm a professional and I still consider myself under the NDAs uh, because I do know the particulars because I sit at the table, but it wouldn't be right for me to say, but I can tell you some stuff. So here's what I'll share with you. Uh, Arrival had a great product. Um, I believe that they were just trying to do too much. Uh, they were going in too many directions. You know, as you know, they had um, buses. Um, they had a, a um, robo racing, ra- robo cars. Um, they were just doing a lot of stuff and not focusing on the main thing that I needed. Uh, I needed the trucks delivered. Um, and so as a customer, that's where I'd like to see your resources go into what I'm trying to buy. Because, as you know, we um, we, we said that we were going to buy 10,000 of those vehicles and we were going to buy 10,000 of those vehicles. But once again, uh, this is a hard market to get trucks to come to bring them to market. Uh, this is a hard industry right here. Uh, so the truck never materialized. So then the order never materialized. But on UPS's part, I will say we were very strategic, meaning that. Um, we didn't we didn't place money before we got vehicles. Um, and, and that's a, I'll talk. We'll talk about that with the re um, company. Um, why I was so excited about, you know, the direction in which we're going in that. Yeah. And I know Daniel Barrel uh, has a, a different approach because I've talked to him about that in, in terms yeah, of, man. you know, sort of a sort of an asset light approach all the way around. Uh, you'll get right. to that in a moment. I, I want to wrap up this uh, section, if you will, with just your general assessment. Um, you just said it and maybe it, you repeat it here, but how difficult it is for, you know, a lot of these companies that, that came to you and that wanted to get in the space were SPACs. They were backed by special purpose acquisition company money. They had a nice influx of cash initially, and then they found out just how expensive it was to really do the business. Um, right. What is your general take on – we're obviously out of the SPAC bubble. We see new regulations coming now that are going to make them a lot more like IPOs and, and that sort of thing. What, what do you see in terms of that innovation, uh, not spirit, but innovation execution, if you will, that we can expect over the next few years? Well, I believe that um, the people that are entering the market now have learned from those who came before them. And that's critical that you learn from the ones that who came before you. And you can look at the, the miscues that they did um, and uh, learn from that and be able to not to burn through money. Uh, because technology, when you're doing this type of technology, something always comes up. Something always comes up. And at UPS, we were very patient with builders, because it's important now, and if I could back up and say this, um, a lot of this is timing with companies too. So uh, the CEO uh, that I had at that time was pushing me and pushing me. When I say pushing me, he was saying, um, you get them, I'll buy them. You get them, I will buy them. Now that's a big commitment. So as I told the manufacturers, if you build the trucks and you know they go through our duty cycle, we will purchase them. But it's a timing thing, meaning that companies have to have an appetite for these vehicles. And I believe that this is why um, it's a good time for re companies have the appetite and we produce vehicles that work. Yeah. You you mentioned what sounded like I wouldn't say an open checkbook, but it sounded like you had uh, certainly someone who was eager to to, you know, advance the technology of your fleet and that sort of thing. And again, it was all about uh, delivering. 
give me one or two examples where somebody really did come through and are in, in your fleet today. I, I should be able to name them, but I'm not going to. Well, so um, you, you talk about all technologies. Well, or- I think uh, electrification is the one that we always talked about, but you can mention mm-hmm. something. You- well, uh, so let me talk about another one. Uh, and then I want to talk about the CEO very briefly. So uh, the technology um, that we went very fast with because it was available was CNG. Went very fast with that because we could put that um, in our fleet, dual source it, you know, run our package cars and our tractors and have one infrastructure uh, for it. So uh, we went very fast with that. Now, when we, we had a, we were very aggressive and wanting to get into the market. And we did some things that, quite frankly, we didn't want to do. We did conversions. Now, we didn't want to do conversions, uh, you know, converting a fleet from one propulsion system to another one. We don't want to take a gas, make it electric. We want to take a diesel, make it electric. We wanted to buy an all-electric vehicle. And um, quite frankly, um, the market is starving for someone to produce uh, the vehicles within that class cycle that people can buy. I do know in passenger cars, as you know, it's written uh, that electrification seems to be falling off um, with passenger cars, but the appetite is big for um, class three through five. It's big to purchase. And you've got, you still have a number of folks, some of them, uh, you know, hanging on, others perhaps doing better. You mentioned a workhorse. I mean, they, they started from the ground up and looks like they may have a pretty good product there for in their class five vehicle. Um, I haven't been in it, but I, and I don't want to spend too much more time here because I want to get you over to what you're doing now. But I, but I do appreciate, uh, this, this review. And, and, you know, one thought on CNG is that we're now looking at RNG, renewable natural gas. I, I presume that you were already moving that direction when you were still there. Yeah. We had, we had, uh, and I can't quote the numbers because I, um, it's legal to quote because we print them. I just don't remember what they are, but it was significant. Um, it was, the numbers were significant that we did. Um, and, and the thing about it was it was, it was cheap. It was cheaper, you know, because the, the push for electrification is that manufacturers have to understand that customers must be able to afford them, uh, must be able to afford them. And I talked to Daniel about that from the beginning of time. Um, you know, it was over four years ago when I met Daniel. It was in 2018, I believe it was, 2018 or 19. I met him in Israel um, to look at his. And I'd like to tell you about how that came about. Sure. Uh, sure. So, well, yeah, Let, let's, switch over, let's switch over to that because, you know, I could take you down the rabbit trail of RNG, but that's not what we're here for. Let's talk a little bit about your exposure to re when it started, how you, as you were going to say, how you met Daniel. And what it is that sort of got you to the point where you threw in with them now in a major way. Right, right. Well, um, so beginning of the story, um, he contacted me on LinkedIn. You know, people say LinkedIn's a powerful tool. So he contacted me on LinkedIn and I was sitting in my office and I was reading, you know, what he what he had written. And I said, it sounds interesting. So I called him and we were talking about it. And I brought one of my vice presidents in the office and, you know, to have him listen to the call, Scott Philippi, and we were listening to the information that he had. And he said, well, I'll come to the United States and show you. And I said, well, I'll come to Israel and see it for myself, because it's important that I understand um, your ground up. You know, that's that's important for me to be able to see it because people can talk about it. But until I can see it, 
I can validate it. So I flew to Israel. Uh, Scott and I and, and one of my other engineers, we flew to uh, Luke Wake. We flew to Israel to see the technology. It was in a little little building, but the technology uh, was very exciting, and I could see the future with it. I really could, uh, but I knew it was going to take time, right? Um, because that's how technology is. New technology takes time. So, um, you know, I flew back and I was excited about it. And, you know, we watched it and, you know, we watched it. We stayed in touch with them as we do with all the manufacturers because, you know, we're hounding them like they're hounding us because we want, as I told you, I had a CEO that was saying, Carlton David Abney, the CEO, was saying, go faster, go faster, go faster. So I'm trying to satisfy the faster, um, which is, you know, that's I would say that's rare for a CEO to say, go faster, go faster, because they, he's spending money. Right. Um, but um, that's what happened. And then uh, I stayed in touch with Daniel and Ree um, down through the years, would see him at conferences. I followed their technology. I followed up on it so I can understand if they were making progress or not. And then um, they came, they delivered a truck. I went to their proving grounds and my team and I, and we checked out the truck and the truck was real um, because there's a lot of things in uh, that are said. But when somebody says something and, and then they say, well, come see the truck. I want you to see how it operates. And that's what Daniel did. Um, you know, so we flew there, uh, checked out the proving grounds, checked out the truck and we were satisfied. This is interesting because re at the heart of the thing really is a powertrain and chassis operator with some very, very advanced things now that it's got the certification around by wire for really everything. And nobody's done mm -hmm. that. Um, you know, that's what you were being told. That's what you started to get to see. And now some vehicles are in testing with customers, right. you know, um, Let's walk it out. What do you see happening and what is it that you're bringing to them now as an operator and someone who, you know, I can think, I was thinking of this before we got on the call, Carlton, about uh, guys like James Reed who went out to Kodiak and, you know, brought that, you know, kind of fleet experience to them. Now he's going over to Walmart, but he's staying with, with Kodiak and a few others that have, you know, kind of lent their expertise. Roger Nielsen, who, of course, you knew Roger at, at Diamond. I know James as well, and Roger. Yeah, yeah. so you, you knew Roger, and he went over to Proterra. That didn't work out so well. But, you mm -hmm. know, the, the, the point is that that this expertise that you have and these other gentlemen have really benefits some of these companies uh, in a big way. And I just I want to know what you're bringing to them at this point that's really going to, like you say, help them go faster maybe. Yes. Well, well thank you. It's the um, I call it the eyes of the customer. Uh, because um, a lot of times companies uh, don't listen to hear. You know, they listen to respond. And it's important, as I've told Daniel, always listen to hear when a customer uh, speaks to you. Because a customer says things um, that if you're not listening, you will miss. So what I think I bring, Alan, I bring the ability to listen to hear. And um, I keep reminding them of that, in which he's doing a good job. The entire team is. I also bring um, a perspective from a maintenance perspective. And I'll give you an example. As we're rolling out the vehicles and we're rolling out the, the, the maintenance guide and stuff, um, I met with the, the, the lead engineers on everything and the cycles that they wanted the vehicles looked at, um, quite honestly, were, were too frequent. They were too frequent. And, and what I had to have them understand was that when a company buys a truck, 
The goal is not to have it in the shop. The goal is for have it out there running. Now, if we say that the uh, truck will do this, we need to make sure that it'll do it. And you shouldn't have to look at it in, until a reasonable time. So uh, it's not like a passenger vehicle. And, and you can't look at it like that. You know, customers pay too much money for these vehicles to have them in the shop all the time. Right. Right. Well, so and I think, I think your point is well taken because even if you think about passenger vehicles, you know, you get that, that for years we we're told change your oil at 3,000 miles, which probably wasn't necessary. Should you wait exactly. all the way until the, uh, until the bell goes off? Maybe not, but somewhere right. in the middle there, you know, you've got a little bit more robustness than maybe, you know, somebody might tell you. So especially when you look at something that has like virtually no mechanical parts to it. Absolutely. Um, you know, what do you need? What do you need it in the shop for? I mean, you know, you can right. do a a, a, a a pit stop kind of change is the way he described it to yeah. me. I had an opportunity to uh, mm -hmm. go out to the EVAX, EAVX uh, demonstration a little over a year ago. And, and mm -hmm. it was terrific. I mean, what they were doing. Yes. So and on that, Alan, I, I want to say one thing on that, because thank you for bringing that up, that and I'm glad you understand the difference in commercial and passenger. Uh, when it's in a fleet and you don't want it in a fleet to a technician to have to go get the vehicle and then bring it to the shop all the time. So when I explain that to uh, the re-engineers uh, that are responsible for training, they understood it and basically they have rewritten the process. So th that's another thing that I bring to the table, the voice from the customer. Yeah, perfect, perfect. We've got about a minute left, uh, Carl, and I, I'm going to give you the, the last word here on RE or whatever you want to use it for. But, uh, you know, I, I'm just, again, thanks so much for being with me. Um, close, us, close us out here. Well, you know, um, Alan, first, thank you. Once again, thank you for having me. I've always said good is good until better comes along and RE is better. And I've said better is before us. And fortunately, the better is now. It is RE. Listen, I've looked at lots of technology. Uh, I have a lot of experience in, in the field, and I would encourage customers to come check out the vehicle. Um, as the chairman, I have the opportunity uh, to be a part of the direction in which we're going. And so we're running asset light. We're only spending money where we need to spend it. We are very focused. Uh, we're very pleased with the ability to change out a recorder, all that great technology. You can change it out very quickly. You don't have to have a bunch of inventory in your uh, your parts inventory. So it's a win-win. So anybody out there looking for an electric vehicle, I will be in Indianapolis um, at the truck work show. Um, come see me I, and come, come I will talk come about Reed. and say hello because I will be there as well. And, well, I uh, appreciate that. Yeah. Carl, again, thanks so much. Um, folks, this week we are going to take a look at hydrogen. We often look at hydrogen on the uh, – on, on, on both Truck Tech on the show. And I think we're going to speak with Parker Meeks here uh, on Thursday. We'll have a little embedded video with him on Friday as we look at some of the things that are going on in hydrogen. And all of them are positive right now. You've got high prices. You've got the question of infrastructure, which Nicola began to address. And we'll get into that a little bit with sort of a modular station out in uh, Ontario, California. But look for that in Friday's uh, Truck Tech newsletter. Uh, in, in the meantime, uh, thanks again to Carlton for being with us, and we'll see you next time.